there, folks, and welcome to a bonus episode slash Hardly Heroes of uh, Eddie and Caleb's HeroCast. I am Caleb B. That's where you can follow me on Twitter. Follow Eddie at E-D-D-Y-C-8-5. Follow the show at EC underscore hero. Check out our Instagram, EC HeroCast. Our Gmail, where we, we love to see all your feedback, ECHeroCast at gmail.com. I mean, dude, sometimes, like, I will have to, like, like I, I will lose track of time just reading all the emails that we get sent, right, man? Oh, for sure. A lot of uh, yeah, a lot of ads. Yes, absolutely, dude, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Eddie, it is August twenty nine, Sunday evening, and we are here to review both What If episode three and Machete, which was my choice for the Hulu platform. Uh, let's lead off again with what if, if that works for you, sir. That is fine. What did you think of this week's what if? It was pretty good. I mean, here's the thing. I can't really, like, sink my teeth into these majorly just because they're not of consequence. You know what I'm saying? Like, I said the same thing last week. But, no, this was this was pretty good. Yeah, this was uh, another a really big time what if like what if uh all the heroes died so kind of a big one and we kind of got to see i don't know maybe i know this wasn't ant-man but the ant-man power potentially the strongest of the avengers uh i would i would say so yeah but yeah i uh i thought this was pretty cool i liked um I mean, it started off as like, you know, I mean, obviously you knew from the title that uh, a lot of people were going to be killed. So it was kind of interesting seeing how all these, you know, Avengers would be offed one at a time. And then uh, it's like a big who done it, And then we finally get the answer. And uh, again, we... I was uh I was surprised. I didn't think it would be um Hank Pime Pim. I can't remember his how to pronounce his last name. P Y M. It, it, it's Pim. Pim. It's Pim. Yeah. Anyway, it's him. And uh <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of uh surprising, but especially because we didn't have the uh background knowledge of oh hey, Hope Van Dyne worked for Shield and died in the field. We didn't have that knowledge beforehand. That that was not even mentioned. So, of course, it was surprising that Hank Pym was doing all this serial killing. Yeah, I mean that you're right. We did not have that previous knowledge, so that that was helpful. And then I did like at the end the big uh, team up with uh, Nick Fury and Loki. That was clever. Yeah, that was. That's... Ooh, that was very clever. I'm trying to remember. I'm looking back, trying to remember which uh, which Avengers death was my favorite. Let's see. It was. Mine was Hulk. Yeah, Tony Stark just got poisoned. So, eh. And then uh, Thor got shot with one of uh, the arrows when he didn't mean to. So that was okay. Hulk's was pretty good because he just blew up. <laughs> yeah. 
And Hawkeye then, was just dead. Bell. Yeah. Romanoff just can't catch a break. She died again. And yeah, Fury. Yeah. Uh, Fury's the only one to. Uh, I was kind of hoping that they would have um, shown more Avengers at the end when he was like. Well, it doesn't matter who died. It's just we're just trying to assemble these people, and they did get Captain America back, and then he did call, you know, uh, Captain Marvel, which is fine. But then it's like, okay, who else? And then we never really got to see. So I would have liked to, have, maybe the episode was just two minutes longer, got to get some cameos or something like that. That would have been cool. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Um, yeah, I didn't hate this outing, but, um, like, I've made it pretty clear, my my thoughts on the concept of the show already. (laughs) Well, I love the concept of the show, and, uh, I don't know. I know, uh, (laughs) it is funny, John, who was, uh, said he's looking forward to this to the most, has not watched it yet, so. That's pretty wild. Yeah, well, that's you can't take his word for it. He's from New York. Oh, got him. You need some <sighs> coffee over there? Yeah, I need something, dude. Um, oh, hey, congrats to your Yankees. You beat us in both games earlier this week. Good job. Yep, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. But we won series with the best team in baseball, so I'm not. I'm not mad. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a week. The win the win streak is over, but it had to come to an end at some point, I suppose. You know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Pardon me, dude. Oh man, you we had a fantasy draft. I did. Yeah, I'm saying we need to reschedule mm-hmm. this after a nap or something. <laughs> no, that's a terrible idea. Um. <laughs> Man, I, I've got a draft coming up. I think sometime within the next week. I'm not sure. The commissioner has not done a good job of uh, relaying that information to the people. So that's that's awesome. That's awesome for sure. Was it one of your uh, auction drafts that you did? Uh, no. To my knowledge, I am not doing an auction draft this year. Okay, good. I uh, so stupid. I hated it. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I prefer the snake draft, but I can see the appeal of an auction draft. Eh, I Yeah, I guess. It took too long, also. I mean, it took, like, maybe ten extra minutes is, is, like, how long it took to, like, a normal serpentine draft. I guess. I guess. We'll see. Hopefully, I came in second also, last year, so that was pretty good. Yeah. Before we get into Machete, um, I would would like it to be noted that you are indeed a piece of shit because you spoiled Candyman. Well, it's a uh, turnabout is fair play situation. Okay, but here's the thing. My spoiler was accidental. But then you you did not apologize. You laughed. (laughs) I didn't laugh. I sent you the... I sent you the Spider-Man gif. Yes, of uh, that's not my problem. Yes, I missed the part where that's not my problem, where that's my problem. <laughs> but 
You you cannot kill my joy. I'm still going to see Candyman later this week, well, and probably going to see Shang Chi this uh, this week as well. Yeah, I'll see it as well. Well, how come nice, you dude. haven't seen Candyman? I thought you were looking forward to this for over a year. Um, booked up with a friend last week. Nobody heard that. Your internet sucks. So. Your internet sucks. Um, no, no I am booked great. up. Uh, I'm going. I am going with a friend, and he can't go until this Friday, so that's why. Hmm. Sounds like a pretty bad friend. Actually, it sounds like I'm a really good friend, is what it sounds like. I wouldn't wait for him. Ah, whatever. Or you could see, see it twice. Being a- you can see it twice. Did you think I, about that? I can't. I can't do that. That's a terrible idea. Seeing seeing a movie twice in the theaters. Huh. I've actually done that several times, but you know, my worry is I go to see it once alone, and then I hate it. And then I'm booked to go see it again. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. But, I mean, it doesn't seem like you would hate it. Yeah, well, we'll see. You know, it's it's a game of chance for sure. But, oh, do we have anything else to add before we review the movie? Well, like I said, I just wanted to review quickly uh, the Woodstock 99 documentary that I watched, which we talked about last week. You mean the, uh, the Limp Biscuit hit piece, but go off. It's not a Limp Biscuit hit piece. That being said, it's not it's not a perfect um what in the world is this? It's not a uh who is Infinite Mission 889? I have no clue why. I don't know, that's what popped I went to uh Reddit and that's the name of the thing that's logged in. Is that your Reddit profile? <laughs> That somehow no. got logged into me? I don't know. No. I don't know who this is. That's bizarre. Alright, well let me just log out of that. I don't know whose profile I got logged into, but... Let me log into me. Again, that's very strange. Hmm. Someone hacked your Reddit. Or you you hacked someone else's Reddit. Maybe I did. Maybe that's my name. And that's what it just... Maybe that's like a default name it gave me. I don't know. This doesn't make any sense. I'm very confused right now. What is going on? Why is Reddit doing this to me? (laughs) Huh. Anyway, let me try... Let me try my app. Because the laptop is... uh, I don't know, being very, very weird, but I had my thoughts all nice and documented on um, on Reddit, and uh, I went to go look, and now it's pulled up some other weird account, and I have no clue. Uh, God, this sucks. This is terrible radio. Why is it doing Ooh, this? It... This is... I don't know. <laughs> While you look for your Reddit, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to the people. 
because uh, NWA is running pay-per-views this weekend. They did the all-women's show last night that people seem to love. They're doing a regular pay-per-view tonight. I don't think that's going to go over that well. The main event is Trevor Murdoch versus Nick Aldis. I don't, I don't see that being big. In fact, I think the biggest draw on that show is that Ric Flair is going to be there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's actually in St. Louis. If I had the time off, I would uh, be there right now. <laughs> hmm. Well, I found... Let's see. Yeah. I found the Reddit post. Um, mm. I'm trying to find my particular post. Let's see. Filter by me. Man, okay, here it is. Finally, good God, why was that so difficult? <sighs> just trying to get my thoughts in order. I thought it would just be real quick and easy to punch up, but nope, Reddit's... Mm, I don't know, that was weird. Anyway, thoughts on the Woodstock documentary, because I was looking forward to it. And let me start with the good, okay? I think that's important to start with. I enjoyed hearing about the poor planning of it, the uh, the disorganization, the lack of water, or the expensive $4 for a bottle of water, the uh, super hot weather, which led to health issues, the bathroom issues, uh, the sexual assaults. I mean, I didn't enjoy hearing about that, but it was part of it, so it was important to tell. The rioting and the fires, all of which it did cover. I enjoyed all that. That was That was good. The parts that I didn't want to hear, or that, that were very annoying, is everything else. So, like, it's an hour and 50 minutes. It didn't need to be that long. It only needed to be an hour. And there's, like, they open up and they start talking about Nirvana, which is really weird. It's like Kurt Cobain killed himself five years before Woodstock 99. Why are we talking about Nirvana? And I don't, they never really explain. They're just like, oh, Nirvana was really good, unlike a lot of this other new metal. Like, okay, I don't care about your personal taste in music, guy who made this. Nirvana wasn't there. They're dead, so why are we talking about them? Uh, then they had a segment about Napster, which I looked it up, literally launched one month before Woodstock. So... No one, no one knew about Napster one month after its after its launch. You know, there was no social media to promote it. Uh, so it's like it just launched, and no one's even using it. It's only like the hard hardcore internet fans even knew about it at that point. So why are we talking about Napster? It has nothing to do with Woodstock '99. Get it out. Um, there was um, at, at the end. There was like this weird thing. It was almost like a commercial for uh, uh, Coachella, which it's like you could have said you. It, they just didn't. They didn't uh, word a lot of that correctly. It was like instead of saying Coachella learned from Woodstock's mistakes, they just it made it seem like a commercial for Coachella, and it was just very poorly worded. So uh, I did not care for that. The um, I feel like there was one other thing. Eh, maybe not. But the rest of it, 
so those were all just segments that didn't need to be in there and could could have gone. Um, oh, there was a here's the other one. There was a a rave tent apparently when the concerts were all over, people would go to the rave tent, and one of the talking heads on there was like, "Why do they have a rave tent? The people that are going to see Metallica aren't going to raves. That doesn't make any sense." And she's saying this all over B-roll footage of like thousands of people at this rave tent. It's like, why are you saying like if you're making a documentary, why are you doing that? Like it makes the documentary look bad when you're like, let me put this voice over of a person saying no one's using these raves over footage of thousands of people using this rave. Like it doesn't make any sense. It was really weird. And she's like, it was just an excuse for people to do drugs. Like, oh, as opposed to no other rave ever. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> that was that was really weird. And then the same lady during the riots, she was like, people were breaking open ATMs with their bare hands. Like, no, they weren't. No, they weren't. Why Why did you say that? They, they absolutely were not. Like, do you know how hard it is to break into an ATM? I saw a whole episode of Breaking Bad about that. It's very hard. Yeah, if you have a fully functioning workshop, it would probably take you a few days. So the fact this lady's like, they're breaking into ATMs with their bare hands. I'm like, nope, they certainly are not. <laughs> That's Ruth why. Conda forever. Yeah, it's so stupid. Like, I used to work in a casino. I'd have to escort the ATM guy around. The ATM, there's like a big wooden door on, in front of all ATMs, which you can see. That has to unlock. And guess what? Inside it is another safe, and you got to unlock that. And inside that is a plastic. It's a plastic safe, so you could break it open, in theory. But it's still it's a thick plastic, so it wouldn't be super easy. So it's like you got to go through like three layers of security, and you know two of the layers is heavy steel. So no, no one's breaking open an ATM with their bare hands. So that woman just get her off the documentary. She added nothing. She and in fact she took away from it. But the big issue that I had with the documentary was them looking back on it through 2021 politics. There were so many segments where they were like, there's a song DMX sings called My N-Word, and he's like putting the mic to the, he would say like, my, and then hold the mic to the crowd, and the crowd, mostly white people, would yell it back. And you had this one guy like, I just wonder if that was the, the first time that, black people saw their white friends use the n-word and i just wonder how it affected friendships going forward and it's like dude it didn't i can can assure you it would not have it did not like that's just the time that was just how the time was now look if if the song comes on the radio you know i got sirius xm so they'll play uncensored music if a song comes on the radio with the n-word i'll just you just kind of mumble over it you know but at the time, not that it's, you know, it's it, it was just a different time. It, you know, we learn things, and then you evolve and move on. No one was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize my friend was a racist until he was at a DMX concert. <laughs> no, it's so stupid. Um, but there was that, and they kept going on about, like, angry white men. I'll take a shot every time they say angry white men, you'd be blackout drunk. And it's like, no. This wasn't angry white men. This was a perfect storm of bad events. It wasn't because, and yes, they did single out Limp Biscuit and Kid Rock. It's like, oh, these guys were instigators and they were getting the crowd going. They're like, nobody got hurt during their sets though. Like they threw that in there at the end. Like, 
oh, so that's the main thing. You just buried the story. And it's like they're going on and on about like, oh, it's just music for Angry White Men, Angry White Men, Limp Biscuit, or Limp Biscuit, and, and Kid Rock. Then they interview Jonathan Davis, and they don't mention him as like music for Angry White Men, even though it's the exact same genre. And I would argue that Corn was more angrier than Limp Biscuit, but like they would just cut to Fred Durst singing Break Stuff, and it's like, see. He's just encouraging violence. Like, that's one song. It's one song about just being pissed off. It's not a big deal. And look, what they, what's, okay, what what they apparently, did, did they mention that uh, that set was amazing? That Fred Durst's stage presence is top notch? Did they it's, mention that at all? Or did that not fit the narrative? Well, they said, uh, they had one guy said that he came out and he, he told Fred Durst to, like, settle the crowd down because they were getting a little out of hand. And instead, he did the opposite. And they got mad at him for that. But, I mean, I, so I don't know. It's just like Fred what, Durst and Limp Bizkit. They put on a Limp Bizkit show is what they did. I, I've seen yeah. that set. It's a very good set. Yeah. Like, they put on the kind of show they would put on. Yeah. They weren't the ones charging $4 for a bottle of water. That wasn't their idea. Yeah. That's why I'm saying. This was a perfect storm. This wasn't like some prequel to the insurrection on the Capitol. Like, they, they never said that, but, like, they they were they kept using the phrase angry white men, which got really popular around January 6th, and then at that march mm-hmm. with the tiki torches or whatever. Um, and then they, they did mention, <laughs> they're like, oh, you know, Columbine shooters, they posted uh, lyrics to violent songs online like who cares stop who cares wait 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 wait. so so this was on the woodstock documentary yeah like why are we talking about columbine column who cares that is okay it is hilarious to me because i can guess how these people voted um just based on things i've been told and it is hilarious to hear it come from the other side yeah (laughs) like 20 years ago these were the people voting for George Bush in the uh, twenty uh, in the two thousand election. Now it's coming from the opposite side. Yeah, exactly. The whole video games make you violent type of deal. It's no. <laughs> yep. And then, um, but yeah, like that. It's like it wasn't music. It, they made it. They kind of portrayed it as like, uh, this is uh, all the all the anger was just boiling out. It's like no, it was a perfect storm of what it was. It was, you're there all weekend, you're hot, there's no shade, food and water is expensive, you can't shower. Uh, I read online that, like, you would, people would go in their tents, right? And, but, like, as soon as the sun came out, at, like, 6, 7 in the morning, you know, you'd start sweating, and then you'd be awake because it's too hot to even sleep inside the tent because it'd be like a sauna. So nobody was getting sleep, you couldn't shower, it's just and then the the bathrooms were like overflown the very first day, so you had to go behind whatever you could, and it's like yeah, it ended up just being a perfect storm. By Sunday night, people were just kind of, and it wasn't even that big of a riot. Like they knocked down this wall that they painted, and they set some fires, but the fires were in like these big fields, so like nothing burned down. And then like the riot police came in and dispersed everybody quickly, and then. One person was like, oh, man, this was a hip-hop festival. I mean, you talk about white privilege. You just know what would have happened. I'm like, no, what what would have happened? Do you think the police would just open fire on every these people? Like, no, that's not going to happen. Like, no. come on. It's not – it's just – I don't know. And then the, um, the, the, the funny part, the hypocrisy of the documentary, 
going on and on about the sexual assault, which again, I don't condone at all. Now the the owner, not the owner, the promoter, I think it was the promoter of the Woodstock. He he kind of did the whole blame the victim thing, where it's like, but what was she wearing? In this case, nothing. <laughs> so uh, I would only say, again, guys, it's ultimately their fault. But if you're going to a music fest where people are going to be drunk and high and you're a woman walking around topless, maybe not the best idea. But, uh, again, not condoning any of that. But the documentary blurred out nothing. So they're going on and on about, like, oh, it's just the girls gone wild culture and guys are just doing all this horrible stuff. And it's like. You know, if you really cared, you'd blur these out. Because I'm sure there's girls that are watching this like 20 years later like, oh god, I can't believe I showed my tits to Jonathan Davis at Woodstock. And uh, it's <laughs> like, we're just not going to blur it out. And it's like, I don't know. Again, it was just, uh, I don't know. It was, uh, the, the, the stuff it covered, it was just entwined with itself. Like, you couldn't... Like, it'd be like, here's a good segment where it's very interesting and informative because it was a complete disaster of a show. And it's like, I want to hear more about that. And it's like, oh, but don't you want to hear about the angry white men? Like, no, not really. I mean, <laughs> that's just, you know, white people listen to that rock music in that day. I mean, look, I went to OzFest when I was in high school. Nobody got raped, and uh, there were mosh pits, but there were no fires, no riots. If the uh, festival did, is did, organized, it Did works. any bats get munched? Uh, no, I think this was... I feel like uh, Ozzy was uh, not allowed to do that at this point. I think the uh, PETA got on him when he first did that. Fair but no, enough, I mean, fair I... Enough. The worst that happened was uh, when Disturbed took the stage, people were pulling up chunks of dirt and just throw it in the air. Uh, but that Gee. was about it. I mean, there was, like I said, there was no, uh, nothing crazy, I, you know. So if the festival's well organized and, and everything, then you'll be fine. It just wasn't, you know. I was a white guy, and I went to the festival. I did the mosh pit for like 15 seconds, twisted my ankle, and then I went back to work on Monday, just like, uh, <laughs> you know, like probably 99% of those people did at the Woodstock. So, Anyway, I, I do enough. recommend it, though. It, it was interesting. It's just, there's a lot of just parts that you're just like, uh, stop pushing a narrative. It's just a stupid music festival. I will not partake in any Limp Biscuit hit pieces. I'm not interested. Um, but hey, Enough about all that, because, of course, we're here to review Machete, and the very first thing we're going to do is see what our history with the movie is. Mine's an easy answer. I remember seeing the trailers, and I never saw it until two days ago. Eddie, how about you, man? And I never thought I had seen it, but then as I was watching it, I realized I'd seen uh, parts of it. I think... I was at a friend's house, and I caught the tail end of the movie, because that all looked very familiar. Okay, okay, that's cool, that's cool. So, of course, we now need to dig up the old time capsule, and this was released on September 3rd, 2010. Um, 
Let's see here. The number one song here in the United States was Love the Way You Lie by Eminem featuring Rihanna. You remember that song? About 11 years old now, man. Of course I remember it, but yeah. Man, I feel old. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm thinking maybe I should go listen to that again. I'm not a big Rihanna fan, but that, that song's pretty good. That song's pretty good. In wrestling. Actually, hold on. Okay, so in September of 2010, I was a sophomore in high school and, uh, you know, doing really bad at geometry and uh, playing football. Well, it's like, fun. bro, I didn't I did not get geometry like at all. No, neither did I. I, I, I should have failed it, but I got passed. I don't know how, but uh, I'd even signed hmm. up for summer school. But then, because I thought I'd failed it, and then when the report card came out, it's like, nope, you didn't. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you got your 60% passed, huh? Apparently. Good but, uh, for you. Let's see, September 2010. September 2010 is actually a very, very important month, but uh, I'll save that for when we review for the, for the main show. Of course. Um, you know. That's that's the main event, but I will tell a, a bit of a funny story about my fir- first day, because September 2010 is when I got my first job out of college, and it was, this will be like the prequel to, uh, I believe it was Scott Pilgrim vs. The World will be the episode when we get to September 2010 on the on the timeline, but, um, so my first, my, I majored in, in broadcasting, and uh, had no luck getting a job because 2010, economy still bouncing back, took a little while, sent out tons and tons of resumes and applied online. I heard back from one person who's like, well, thanks, but we're, we're, we're fully staffed. So it was not going well. And if when you graduate college, you have six months to find a job until the student loan payments start coming in. So it was, uh, it was two months out of college, and I was like, all right. Let me just find a job just to get through the holidays, and then in spring of next year, I'll really get after it. And the job I had was a for a company called Teleperformance. So what they do is some companies don't want to run their own call centers, so they just pay Teleperformance to run them for them. Or they'll have, like, excess people, like uh, they also had... Uh, Verizon Fios, uh, Apple, American Express, where they're like, hey, we don't have enough uh, office space for all these people, so can you take, like, you know, 200 people to answer phone calls? That sort of thing. So that's what Teleperformance did. And I got on at the Ann Taylor and Loft Project. So women's clothing, right? And the first day was supposed to be two weeks from my first day because they told me, like, you're going to start on Monday, and they called, and they're like, actually, you're going to start two weeks from that Monday because your background check didn't come back, which I found out later their background check is just looking at public record, making sure you didn't serve prison time. So I don't know what their holdup was. And hmm. Sunday night, I played Madden all night, <laughs> and I woke, I went to bed at like 4 in the morning, and then at 6, 7 a.m., my mom wakes me up, and she's like, hey, it's your work. Someone couldn't make the class, and they want to know if you want to fill in. And I was like, on you know, three hours of sleep. And I was like, uh, no. But then I thought, wait, if you go now, 
In two weeks, you'll get paid. Whereas if you waited two weeks, you won't get paid for another month. So I was like, uh, fine, I'll get ready and go to work. So my first day, my first job out of college, I went in on like two hours, two and a half hours of sleep. And uh, yeah, that was fun. Well, was... you know, I'm sorry you had to go through all that, but I'm glad you got paid. By the way, um, yeah. name of company reda- redacted finally approved my leave of absence and uh, my two weeks that I was missing are on my next pay stub. So I'm, I worked technically worked one week. I'm getting paid for three. So that's cool. That's good. I won't. Uh, I'll only say where I worked if I really have no opinion of the company like teleperformance. I don't really care about. Yeah, well, I'm not going to. Uh, you know, mention companies yeah. that I currently work for, even though I think I've done that before on here, but whatever. No, um, I, oh, oh, and then, I, um, the, um, oh, uh, don't ever work in a call center. It's nothing against the teleformance company. It's just the job. You, you could be for any company, just inbound calls for anyone. Don't do it. Just don't, no. don't ever do it. No, I can imagine. Um, your champions in wrestling, they're going to be the things that close us out here. Um, in the WWE, again, this was September 3rd, 2010. So on Raw, you had the WWE champion, Sheamus, in his second run. You had on SmackDown, the world heavyweight champion, Kane, in his first run with that belt. Um, in TNA, the TNA world heavyweight championship was actually vacant at the time. This was right before... Bound for Glory 2010. Do you remember the 10, 10, 10 there coming storyline? Oh, who could forget? I remember watching that pay-per-view <laughs> and just being super let down. <laughs> this was uh, this was before that. In Ring of Honor, and I don't know, I've never heard of this guy, man, but uh, some guy named Tyler Black was the world champion over there at the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, he later would go on to become Aleister Black. Yeah, that's him. You got that right. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, the financials on this movie here. So this had a budget of $10.5 million and a box office, from what I saw, of $44.1 million, which my math has that at $33.6 million. That's, that's pretty good for something of this, of this stature. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, you know, I mean, roughly three times what you put into it that's that's pretty good uh what was the rotten tomatoes scores on this man critics 72 percent fans 63 Ooh. okay that you said critics 72 Mm mm-hmm wow can't believe the critics went higher yeah i was surprised Fair enough, and I guess with that we can get into the cast here. Quite and a cast. Come on. Oh, dude, dude, I I popped for so many people in this because I'm like, what what are they doing here? Um, okay. So real quick shout out to Tom Savini. He played a hitman, Osiris Amanpour. Uh, Tom Savini, of course, an icon of horror cinema, mostly for his work behind the camera as a special effects artist. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Daryl Sabera as Julio Junito, who 
by the way, was Junie in Spy Kids. Well, like I, I never thought I would see him again, but this being a Robert Rodriguez movie, it makes sense, you know? Um, let's see here. Lindsay Lohan as April Booth. Yeah. And she had a body double. <laughs> oh, she had a body double? You think Lindsay Lohan's showing off the goods for Machete? <laughs> oh, for that scene in the pool? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that doesn't surprise me now that you mention it. Um, Don Johnson as Vaughn Jackson. Oh, yeah. He was, uh, at first, when when he first debuted on the screen, that was a weird phrasing, when he first came on the screen, I thought we might have a a uh, rival to the uh, the worst villain ever, which I think is currently occupied by the guys from Toxic Avenger. Um, oh, but, when you say worst, you, like most reprehensible. Yeah, I mean, obviously we know Thanos killed the most people, but I'm not talking about that i'm just the the worst individual i thought he had a chance but he just didn't kill enough people whereas the the toxic avenger villains they were i thought the worst but uh he got off to quite a start <laughs> <laughs> oh he sure did man he sure did uh cheech marine i believe that is how you pronounce his last name Marin. you know for years i'd heard it Marin. But I'm fairly certain Marin. it is. Pre- I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Cheech Marine. Oh, all right. Well, Cheech um, from so Cheech and Chong. That, that is disputed. So either way, uh, as dude, I didn't realize this was the character's name, Padre Benicio del Toro. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a little on the nose. <laughs> oh man. He was fine for what he was in this. I don't hate anyone in this movie, man. Like, no. they all, they knew what they were getting into. They're getting a grindhouse exploitation film. You know, you don't have to give 110%, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, uh, they, they all knew what was up. Yeah, they knew the score. Jeff Fahey, either way you want to pronounce his last name, as Michael Booth. He was the one who ordered the hit on, uh, not Steven Skull, but, uh, the senator. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate him. You know, that's, that's the best I can say about him. You didn't? No. Why would I hate him? Oh, I, he's supposed to, but I thought he did really good in this particular role. Uh, yeah, just a, uh, real horrible person all about the money and uh, as it says here a ruthless businessman with an endless payroll of killers (laughs) (laughs) I do love the descriptions that you're getting on the Wikipedia here Uh, Steven Seagal as Rogelio Torres a drug lord as well as Machete's former partner with the Federales yeah bro Steven Seagal, Seagal play Me- <laughs> playing a Mexican. Him, play Me- <laughs> him as a Mexican drug lord is just insane, dude. I was howling every time he spoke. Uh, I uh, I looked at the cast before I started. I'm like, there's no way he's actually playing a Hispanic person. And, uh, yeah, he, he sure was. It's like, well, he's got they black hair. To- That's all we need. 
he's got black hair. He can get a spray tan. He can roll his R's occasionally. That'll be fine. Um, Eddie, probably your favorite cast member, I would guess. Jessica Alba as Sartana Rivera. Beautiful immigrations officer torn between enforcing the law and doing what is popular in the eyes of her familia. Uh, uh, apparently know, she played I, uh... in the deleted scenes, but those were deleted. Yeah, I didn't have the DVD. Well, you know, I love some Jessica Alba, um, yeah. as evident from Sin City, so I was fine with revisiting yeah. her character, although she did not have the uh, that big Sin City-like moment. That went to someone else. Ooh, it sure did, dude. We'll talk about it. The uh, uh, Robert... My word. Uh, sorry? The, I'm just going to call this from here on out the uh, my word moment of the movie. <laughs> Jessica Alba as Sartana Rivera. Oh, wait, no, the, pardon me. We, we already talked about her. Robert De Niro as uh, <laughs> Senator John Laughlin. And what I loved about it is, like, okay, his Texas ass accent, it's a little cartoony. But and then you figure out, oh, that's fake. Like in the movie, that is fake. Like that, that's even more funny because of that. I just couldn't believe they got Robert De Niro. <laughs> that was what my first reaction was. Um, oh man, playing someone that uh, just a politician that he in real life utterly despises. But uh, I mean, not yeah. that this. I mean, this politician is obviously a caricature of politicians, but uh, the type of guy he was, someone he would despise. But, I mean, it's Robert De Niro. He's Hollywood royalty, so he, of course, did a great job. <laughs> Next up, Michelle Rodriguez as Luz slash she. Um, even though there's an accent mark over the E, but it's still pronounced she for some reason. Mm-hmm. It's half of her pronoun. Weird. Fair enough. Worked at a taco truck, but she's also a, re- a revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She uh, was bae. Do what? She was bae. Yeah, she was great. Uh, I mean, she's still going strong today. I just saw her in Fast 9. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, she was uh, really good in this. It's, it's refreshing to see her as someone other than the Dominic Toretto's girlfriend, but... Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think what else. Resident Evil, maybe. But um, she was in Resident Evil. Uh, I know Jordana Brewster was in the faculty, but maybe Michelle Rodriguez was as well. Anyway, yeah, yeah I thought she I'm was good in this. Right um, it's good to have a. Um, let's see. What am I trying to say? Oh, it. it, it I like the. Um, when I say diversity of the cast, I don't mean like their race, but I mean you got uh, Machete, who we all know Danny Trejo looks like, and he's just this crazy Mexican with the machete. You got um, Michelle Rodriguez, this girl with a uh, assault rifle and a uh, you know an eye patch, and she's just wearing like a bra. And then you got um, you know, Lindsay Lohan, a nun, shooting a gun. Uh, that's what I mean when I say diversity. Just these wacky characters all just gelling together. And, uh, yeah, she was the uh, she was kind of the glue of the movie, so it was uh, real good. So I, I looked into Michelle Rodriguez's fi- uh, filmography. 
Uh, she was not in the faculty. I was mistaken. Um, her first feature film she was in was a movie called Girl Fight from the year 2000. Sounds hot. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, Resident Evil, Blue Crush, if you remember that. SWAT. Um, that's, wow. Actually, as I read Girl Fight, it doesn't sound hot. It looks kind of bad. Oh, no. Yeah, I think that's about it, dude. E, actually, uh, Girl Fight got good reviews. Okay, I stand corrected. Oh, it's, oh, she I, was episodes of Lost as well. Yeah. well. You forgot the main event, Danny Trejo as... Uh, I didn't forget anybody. Danny Trejo ruled in this, dude. I didn't hear you say that, but... Yeah, he was great. I mean... He just... Uh, I mean, he played Danny Trejo. I mean... He's, yeah. I feel like doesn't he hasn't he died in more movies than any other actor? I think that's kind of his claim to fame. Maybe. Maybe. Um, he didn't die in this, but he. I know he dies in uh. Uh, the Predator movie, which um, I'm actually going to watch after we record it. Predator Two, not many of the newer ones that aren't very good. Uh, Predator Two because I saw it on Amazon. Um, after I finished watching this i was like oh predator 2's up that looks good i haven't seen it in a few years so i'm i'm looking at the cast for the sequel to this machete kills and uh we may have to do a down the line we may have to do a bonus episode where we review that to be honest with you maybe it didn't get great reviews they said Uh, they said the magic was lost (laughs) oh man but I did laugh when That's I saw Mel, Mel Gibson's in it. <laughs> Mel Gibson, uh, Amber Heard, um, noted, noted, sorry, noted piece of shit, Amber Heard. Um, oh, what did Lake she do Gaga. to you? It's not what she did to me, it's what she did to Johnny Depp. Oh, I see. Yeah. But hey, enough about Machete Kills, we're here to talk about Machete. And uh, you want to get started? Uh, yes, I do. So, all right. Uh, we open in Mexico, and two Mexican federal agents are on a rescue mission to rescue a girl from a drug kingpin. Well, one of the agents is against it, and his boss is on the, uh, you know, the intercom or phone or whatever. And he tells him to stand down. But Machete goes after the girl. Uh, his partner gets shot like immediately. <laughs> And Machete, uh, he kills his way to the girl. This is the only way I can really put it. And um, yeah. so, yeah, he, he gets that's, the girl. He, he thinks that she's... The, sorry, this is a grindhouse film. And it's it's exploitation kind of in the same vein as, like, the Death Wish movies or, you know, anything of that sort. Um, so there is a lot of uh, blood and gore in this, for sure. Yes, over-the-top violence. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, he kills his way to the girl. Uh, He thinks that she's, like, coked out or something because she's acting like it and she's naked, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Not uh, not unattractive (laughs) at all. Nope. Wouldn't kick her out of bed for eating crackers, as the kids would say. No. But she turns on Machete, stabs him, and... It's like it was just a, a ploy, and it's revealed that his boss, the one who told him not to go in, was working for the kingpin Torres, Steven Seagal, noted Mexican. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. And, uh, yes. Noted Mexican Steven Seagal. Yeah, and then they just bring out uh, Machete's wife, and they kill her. <laughs> they, yeah, they imply that they yeah. killed his daughter too, like heavily implied. Uh huh. <laughs> so. Yeah. And they leave him for dead inside of the burning building. Yeah, and okay, when uh, when we find out that the chief had turned on him, I'm like, oh, so this is what we're getting. This is going to be amazing. Like, this is like John Wick, like Death Wish. This is going to be awesome. Well, it was. <laughs> yeah, so for sure. Th- three years later in Texas, we meet immigration officer uh, Sartana Rivera who is doing research on a taco truck run by Luz. And because Mm -hmm. she suspects Luz is helping get people across the border. And we also, uh, we later meet Von Jackson, who is a vigilante who patrols the border with uh, Senator McLaughlin. As uh, they (laughs) shoot two people, they shoot and kill two people crossing the border, one of whom was pregnant. That's where I thought, like, oh, this guy's, uh, he shoots her right in the stomach. So I was like, well... He could be uh, climbing up the charts real fast, but like I said, I don't think he killed anyone else in the whole movie. I don't. Yeah, I think, think. you're right. Yeah. I believe you're right. Uh, then we see this wacky campaign commercial where uh, Senator McLaughlin supports an electrified fence on the border. That would be uh, very, very expensive. That uh, <laughs> I mean, and very controversial. I mean, an, un, an unelectrified fence is controversial. An uh, uh, electrified one would, uh, I would imagine, be a little more so. Plus, that's a lot of power that you're just using. Anyway, Michael Booth is a, a wealthy businessman who watches Machete in a fight, picks him up, says he wants him to kill McLaughlin, and he'll pay him $150,000. Machete agrees. He gives him a sniper rifle, but Machete is more interested in the Machete. He takes both, and then we see Booth uh, rush into a house, kills everyone inside, then pulls out a girl who is strung out on heroin. It's his daughter, April, (laughs) played by Lindsay Lohan, who uh, probably didn't have to do much acting there. That was below the belt, I'm sorry. That was was mean. (laughs) That was mean, but I, I had to. It was right there. Yep. She's clean now, or not clean, but maybe like better, I think. Or not, I'm not I don't sure. know. I feel like I... She I might be dead, I don't know. Well, hopefully she is. So, Machete goes to lose and gives her the money, the 150000 says, use this to help the people you help. So, Machete goes to a roof to shoot the senator during a speech, but he sees another sniper who shoots him, and then that sniper then shoots the senator in the leg. So, Machete is arrested but not by real cops. So they're like, well, I patted him down. We look like real cops. Because they think he doesn't speak any English. So they're just yeah. talking openly yeah. about like that they're not real cops. Yeah. This was great. This was a great scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, well, I patted him down. It's like, I didn't pat him down, did you? And then Machete pulls out the machete and uh, stabs it through the car seat. And the uh, car mm-hmm. crashes. And uh, Machete's taken to the hospital. But the uh, the sniper and some henchmen go to the hospital to finish off Machete. But he kills a few of them and then escapes. With his someone's intestines swinging out of the building. <laughs> yeah. 
because, uh, yeah. So Luz picks up Machete, and uh, Rivera recognizes Machete on TV. Also, the senator's poll numbers are going up after his assassination attempt. So yeah. He's a martyr. Yeah, it's a false flag operation. So Luz also tells Machete about uh, she, who is a made-up revolutionary to help the people. Meanwhile, the sniper and his crew find Luz's house, but uh, Machete kills them all, and Rivera, uh, all but uh, the sniper. And then Rivera then picks up Machete, and she knows that he's a former agent in Mexico, and tells her about another, and he tells her about another shooter. So all the pieces are kind of coming together because she did her background check on Machete. And Booth gets a call from Torres, and he says he does not tolerate failure. So Booth then kills his sniper, says, how's that for tolerating failure? And then he hires a new hitman, Osiris. (laughs) So Luz and Rivera. Yeah, Tom Savini. Uh, so Luz and Rivera meet up, and Rivera learns about the network. It's a uh, just a bunch of people that help uh, try to eliminate the big problems that are uh, combating the immigration. And problem number one they're apparently like, is Vaughn Jackson. They're like the Freemasons of illegal immigrants. Yeah, and they don't like Vaughn Jackson because he shoots people. Mm-hmm. Um. By the way, after this movie, we're going to get into a deep discussion on our thoughts on immigration, so stay tuned for that. Actually, we're not. No, we're <laughs> No. It's complicated. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the way to say it. It is complicated. Yeah. But uh, if you're a good person and trying to cross, I feel for you. Yep. So Machete then meets with his brother, the priest, uh, who tells him that Booth is Miguel... Sorry, Miguel. Where did I get that from? McLaughlin's top aide. All these Hispanic names. Uh, He's McLaughlin's top aide, and he needs to find out why he hired him to kill his boss. So Machete shows up at Booth's. Uh, This was great, where he gets past the guards just as a gardener. Like, you ever notice how the Mexican shows up at your house, (laughs) and he's dressed as a gardener, you just let him in, no questions asked. (laughs) So, of course. Just garden tools, yeah. Yeah. And then he uses the weed whacker on him, which would uh, yeah. hurt real, real bad. But does not kill them. No. Look, I've had a weed whacker uh, shoot a blade of grass to my leg, and it sliced my leg. So, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt, but it stings maybe a little for a minute. But the fact that a blade of grass can draw blood, I can only imagine what the actual string of the weed whacker does. Yeah. So. You should always weed whack in in jeans, I guess, is the moral of the story. But it's always hot out when you have to do the weed whacking, so you're kind of screwed either way. So just never Uh, weed whack. uh, Put some joggers on or some sweatpants or something. You'll be fine. Or just hire a gardener. Yep. Yep. So Machete shows up at Booth's, and he has a threesome with his daughter and mom and records it. Yes. That's hot. (laughs) (laughs) And he sends it to Booth as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he drugs and kidnaps the the mom and daughter. April Uh and whatever her mom's name was. Yeah, she's not important. It doesn't matter. 
Yeah. Although she she showed him, but Lindsay Lohan, too big of a star. So Machete then comes back to Rivera's with a ton of evidence from Booth. They learn that Booth arranged the shooting to help McLaughlin's poll numbers uh, and that Torres' drug money is funding the campaign because Torres wants the fence because he wants to control it. So it's all a big operation and... uh, yeah, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, it's like, um, it, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, I don't know, it's like when a, something that the politician's talking about, um, I don't know, it's like if a terrorist attack happens, they're like, well, see, we got in, got to, uh, got to beef up security or something. I don't know. Oh, shut up. Uh, well, that was that was that was more uh, post nine eleven. Yeah. I, yeah fair we, don't, we don't do that as much anymore. There hasn't been one, thankfully. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, no more. So. Yeah. Uh, Vaughn then pays Luz a visit and shoots her right in the eye, and you think she's dead. She's not. Oh, spoilers. Yeah. So Booth and Osiris go to the church and attack Machete's brother, and they crucify him. <laughs> that was brutal. Because he wouldn't give him the information of where Machete is. And then Machete and Rivera are attacked at her house, but they survive. And they go to the church and see the dead brother. Sad. <laughs> it's quite a way to eulogize someone. Sad. Well, I would have probably heard a lot... I mean, yeah, I would imagine. But hey, at least mature, at least uh, Padre Benicio del Toro didn't give up his brother, so that's good. Yeah, crucifixion seems like it'd be one of the worst ways to go. I can see why they used it (laughs) way back in the day. Yeah. So Torres calls Booth, and Booth tells him about Rivera and how they all have the evidence on them. So Machete goes to Booth's house. There's a lot of going arounds in this, I'm aware. These are probably hard to follow <laughs> if you've never seen it. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Rivera calls her boss and tells them everything, but they don't buy it. And they're like, just drop it. None of this is believable. <laughs> so <laughs> McLaughlin then gives a speech, but on the TV next to him, the uh, they start playing all the evidence against him. So... Including like the um, where Booth is like, yeah, you know, we uh, we're doing this to, sh- to get his poll numbers up, and then they show uh, Booth killing the priest and McLaughlin killing the guy at the border. That's probably bad for his poll numbers, I would think. I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, usually murder is not uh, doesn't help. So no, McLaughlin, not, not even... no, so McLaughlin like. Runs out of there. I love that he was using a cane during the speech, but then he just drops the cane and runs. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was good. He did have another commercial where he's like, I took a bullet for you, Texas, and pulls out the bullet. He's like, it was this. <laughs> he's literally holding the bullet, yeah. Yeah. Hey, that'd be a good ad if it actually happened. <laughs> oh, for sure. So McLaughlin runs to a limo with Booth inside. And Booth is, like, chastising him, and then McLaughlin just shoots him. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised. Uh, 
the machete did kill him. But a machete shows up in time well, just to watch Booth die, so he got that at least. Machete. Here's the thing. Machete already has a lot of kills on this. He doesn't necessarily need another. True, but Booth did kill his uh, his brother, so I thought that would... Yeah. But then he's... You're Booth, right. Yeah. And right before Booth died, though, he did get this on him. He's like, just tell me, you know, where my wife and daughter are. He said, they're with God. And he's like, oh, I guess I won't see them. <laughs> huh. But then... Yeah. Uh, Cut to a church, and the wife and daughter are there. So he was not wrong. He was just vague. Yes. And purposely yes. misleading. Like, uh, <laughs> you've seen you've seen Saw 2, I assume. Yeah. You remember when Jake Saw's like, your son's in a safe place. Yeah, he was in the safe. <laughs> Literally in the safe, yeah. Yeah, that's a cop-out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yes, um... April wakes up and she sees this nun out, or the not outfit, habit. That's the proper name. She's this nun habit and is very intrigued by it for some reason. Uh, I guess she's going to change her ways, sort of. Yeah. So Machete gets the network all together, and McLaughlin meets with Vaughn. And Vaughn is mad at McLaughlin for faking the assassination attempt and taking money from Mexico because he's like, I thought, I thought our whole point was to, because we, you know, we're doing this because we want to keep the, the keep keep them out, keep these parasites out of this country. But really, McLaughlin's just doing it for money. And uh, Vaughn's just one of the, uh, you know, the angry white men that bought into it. <laughs> <laughs> So Vaughn wishes yeah. to execute McLaughlin, but uh, he can't, just as Machete's army shows up. And we did get a Wilhelm scream during the fight. Got to keep track of those. <laughs> and they're about to uh, execute... Well, the people that stayed behind are about to execute the senator when the army storms the base and, like, um, crashes into the wall and kills the two uh, executioners that were guarding him. So uh, McLaughlin... He, he kind of, uh, he, he's still alive. And then yeah. uh, Luz shows up with an eye patch on where uh, Booth shot her. And this is where we got our, my word, moment of the movie. Her uh, just popping out of that ambulance. Yep. Yep. This is like uh, when Rose McGowan comes in and I think it was Death Proof. Uh, yeah. It. Either Death Proof or Planet Terror, whichever uh, whichever Grindhouse movie that uh, Robert Rodriguez directed, I can't remember for the life of me. She had a uh, a machine gun where her missing leg would have been. Uh, I do remember that. Yeah. Or uh, to use another cast member, Jessica Alba in the uh, cowboy outfit with the rope. Yep. Or in the <laughs> uh, movie we're reviewing two days from now. Uh, Uma Thurman, and well, spoilers, got to tune in. Yep, don't want to give, give it away. Don't want to give it away. Spoilers for the uh, for... my word moment of uh, my super ex girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Luz rolls up on McLaughlin, and, and uh, he decides to join with them. So you think, uh, oh, we get a redemption storyline, maybe. So <laughs> April, uh, not quite. Sort of. <laughs> 
Well, April rolls up to the fight in her habit and runs into McLaughlin and just shoots him. So, no redemption storyline. Yeah. Uh, Lou's also... In the name of my father. Yep. And she's like, I ah, forget the rest. Yeah. And, and then uh, Luz kills Vaughn as he tries to escape. And Machete finally finds Torres because he was in Texas. Uh, he has uh, Rivera captured... They have a sword fight, well, sword to Machete, and Machete wins by impaling Torres, and then Torres, like, digs the blade deeper into him, because I guess that's the honorable way to die? I don't know. That's oh, what was it? Oh, man. He's like, I could I could kill you right now, but I know you'd just be waiting for me in hell. Yeah. And then he's he, like, he kills himself. Yeah. He's like, I could pull this out, but then I'd die. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he's dead. He admits he's dead either way, but uh, mm-hmm. he could kill Machete and then die. I don't know. It's weird. I'm also not convinced yeah. he would kill Machete. But like uh, he said, he's like, yeah, you'd just be waiting for me in hell. Which, I mean, good line. It was a good line, but I mean, at least you'd know you killed him, I guess. I, I don't know. If I was him, I would have tried. Might as well. Maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, you're dying either way, it seems. Yeah. Well, um, everyone then just raises a machete to celebrate the big win, and later on that evening, McLaughlin wakes up, and he was wearing a bulletproof vest. Oh, uh, yes. It did make sense. I mean, he, you know, he's a senator, and he did have a a assassination attempt, and he was giving a speech last when we saw him, so... Sir. Sir. Yes. He is a state senator. Well, still... But, There's a difference. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense he was wearing a bulletproof vest, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I know. I just wanted to make that office reference, that's all. Yes. Um, so he's, like, kind of stumbling around, and uh, this jeep rolls up on him, full of vigilantes, and they mistake <laughs> him for an illegal immigrant, and they shoot him. Oh, by the way, it's including the one who pukes every time he sees someone get killed. Yes, and he shoots him, and he falls back into this electrified barbed wire fence. So, a fitting end for McLaughlin. Mm Mm-hmm. He lived by the sword and died by the sword. Or the electric fence. Yes, and we were told, we were promised, that Machete will return in Machete Kills, and Machete Kills Again. We still haven't got that second one. No, we have not. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Well, you missed the uh, machete he's riding off, but Rivera stops him, tries to give him an ID, Ooh. and he doesn't want it. He's like, I'm machete. I don't need... I'm not that. And then they make out on his bike, and they ride off. So, good yep. for uh, Danny Trejo to get yep. that going in. <laughs> machete has a lot of sex in this movie, dude. Well, yeah. I mean, who could resist Danny Trejo's dashing good looks? Oh, yeah, that... the. <laughs> the the boyish good looks of Danny Trejo. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I love this movie, dude. Yeah, I, I am fun. so glad. I am glad we reviewed this. Like, this was charming. Uh, again, it's exploitation. It's, you know, hyper-violent action. I'm giving this an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I will. What did, uh, I'm going to go a little higher than the critics. I'll go 7.5 out of 10. So. Okay. A lot of fun, easy watch. You know, it's yep. uh, it's exactly what you'd want. 
It's a shame the other one apparently didn't get great uh, reviews. That's disappointing, but you know, this was uh, this was good, and you know, it's always I always like when you have like an all-star cast. That's always uh, helpful as well. Always makes the mm-hmm. movie more enjoyable to me. Yeah, I would agree. So, folks, we are going to get out of here. Uh, Eddie, next week we should probably record on Saturday, right? Uh, sure. Why? Because of all. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, possibly if uh, if that's how it goes down. I don't know. I we'll see. Point, point I'll have to plan. I cannot. Point being, I can't record on Sunday. It is what I. Think. Hmm. Well, to be determined. If if. If uh if there's yeah. no if there's no hardly heroes next week it's because the scheduling because of the holiday and or, and if there is then uh hey we'll celebrate <laughs> if there is folks if there is uh we still doing labyrinth or have you made up your mind yeah labyrinth's cool okay and you can watch that on HBO Max I believe yep. Yep, HBO Max. A lot of girls uh, turn into women when they watch that movie. Yep, for sure. For sure. Uh, loving David Bowie, huh? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. There's, you see a lot of David Bowie in that movie. <laughs> oh, man. Guys, uh, thank you for listening. It is greatly appreciated. And to quote... Machete. Oh, by the way, guys, check me out. You know, Thursday mornings, Grave Consequences podcast, a part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Um, to quote Machete, <laughs> Machete don't text. <laughs>